Welcome to a Twin Peaks podcast, a podcast about Twin Peaks. I'm Jeff Jensen, TV critic for Entertainment Weekly. And I'm senior writer Darren Franich. Today we have a special edition of our podcast as Darren and I continue our epic series of postmortems, processing the season of Twin Peaks The Return and the final episodes in particular. Today we have a very special guest. Laura Dern joins the podcast to talk about her amazing performance as Diane and her creative collaboration and relationship with David Lynch and just the crazy journey that was Twin Peaks The Return. We are very lucky to have her on the show. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining Darren and I for our little podcast here that obsesses uh, rather intensely about Twin Peaks. Uh, we really appreciate it. I'm so excited you guys did and, uh, and, and guided everyone through the maze of David's genius. Well, I don't know how much guiding we did. I, I, we may have gotten people lost in the maze of David's genius, but uh, it was it was super fun. Um, by the way, before we begin, just congratulations on a rather amazing year for you. It's like you're in all of my favorite things so far, Big Little Lies, Twin Peaks. You got downsizing coming up, Star Wars. So congratulations on a rather amazing year. Thank you so much. I, I feel... Um you know, unbelievably lucky, blessed to be doing what I love and as excited as you about all of this. <laughs> I, I, cool. You know, it's, it's beautiful to be an actor, but particularly amazing when you're excited about what you get to be part of. So, Right. At Comic-Con, we heard at the Twin Peaks panel, we heard this rather great story about how you and Naomi Watts together got into Twin Peaks here. We heard a story that apparently you and Naomi went to go visit David uh, some time ago on a mission to get him back to work. Does this does this sound like a reality you live in? Is that an accurate story? Uh, well... Certainly most of it. I mean, I would say that we did. We went up for cappuccinos, a David <laughs> ritual, because if you haven't had David Lynch coffee, you should. <laughs> Not that this is an advertisement. <laughs> um, but, um, but we went to, um, to see him, and, you know, I think within the conversation, we certainly told him how much not only do we want to, you know, spend our lives working with him, but wouldn't it be fun for all of us to be together? Because she and I are dearest friends separately from the world of David Lynch. And, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could all come together? So that was definitely our mission. What we didn't know was he was already hard at work. (laughs) And he was, you know, basically like, don't you worry your pretty little heads. (laughs) I'm figuring this out already. Um, But honestly, even when he started to slightly describe a world we might live in. And, you know, there's always several trains running for David, so I don't know if that morphed into his world for Twin Peaks or there was a separate idea that's still percolating. Um, It may be that there were a couple of different thoughts at once, but, you know, he started to give us a little bit of a world he was working on, but, again, we had no idea it was it was Twin Peaks until we each separately, I think as each actor did, got the call. I don't know how what the process was, but I, I have a feeling with 
with those of us who knew him well already, you know, the call that was kind of like, come on over, I want you to read something. (laughs) And then, you know, and then those pages unfolded. (laughs) Um, But in my case, you know, I, I think in in other people's case, maybe it's, you know, a process of, hey, you know, David would love for you to do this. But for me, um, I assume for Kyle, but certainly for me it was, um, here's what we're doing. Because I, I'm not asked anymore. I just show up when he tells me. <laughs> Well, Laura, I'd love to know uh, when you got that call, uh, when you were asked to show up, what did he tell you about the character, uh, open parentheses, probably plural characters that you'd be playing? And how did you conceive of Diane when you kind of went into playing the part? I feel like there's so much mystery around her even now, kind of having seen her overall journey on the show. What did you kind of know about her? What had he kind of told you about her as you were kind of going into uh, playing her? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, it is so elusive. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's the only time I've ever had the outrageous gift of playing someone who means a lot in terms of storytelling in people's minds, but there's no visual. I mean, that's like such a cool thing to, to walk into. Um, someone who meant a lot to a lot of people and there was, you know, no idea yet exactly who she would be. Um, and so first, um, we started with what was written, which, you know, I think given, um, given certainly the way she responds to most people, you <laughs> all, you already get a sense of, you know, her demeanor and her character very directly, which I just, worship about the dialogue for her. Um, but what was amazing is David and I have had such an incredible uh, journey of collaborating, you know, uh, as he did with his designer, Patricia Norris, for years um, that I got to work with as well, where he has an idea. And so, again, over cappuccinos, if you haven't had <laughs> David Lynch coffee, you should try it. Um, <laughs> We, we, we sat at his house and he started to kind of close his eyes and move his hands in this beautiful way that only David does and start to describe an idea of what she felt like to him, but not necessarily what she looked like. And that's just such a beautiful way to work with a filmmaker. It's like so gorgeous. And then he sort of sent me off on a journey um, and, uh, you know, starting with thinking about hair color and, you know, what these looks could be and figuring out makeup and, you know, exactly what he wanted there. And then um, with a friend of mine, I actually went thrift shopping a bit because he started to describe even her clothing. And something about, I mean, it's, it's only David I've, I've hardly ever done that with, but the ritual of kind of finding the character in all these different ways is so fun, and he is so specific that when he sees it, he knows. And when I say specific, I mean David even mixed colors for the perfect lip color he wanted for Diane. <laughs> um, because the lipstick didn't exist, and all of the colors frustrated him, so he had to make a Diane color um, <laughs> with our amazing makeup artist, Debbie. So it's, 
you know, it's just beautiful. And the nail design, I mean, every aspect of her was so specific. So it's just like an unbelievable blast to find every detail of her. Hmm. Um, Laura, Darren and I are huge fans of Inland Empire, and we know that David Lynch's signature brand coffee played a big role in making that movie actually happen and financing it all. So uh, please, you can plug it all you want here on the show. We're, we're, we're totally cool with that. Um, well, I mean, bless <laughs> you guys. And I, I love that you love the movie. And I, um, I have to say, I was just in Paris uh, doing some press last week and walking with my kids on this street, I remembered David and I working there, and I said to them, oh, you guys, we we worked on Inland Empire for a few days. In fact, we filmed right here. And they're like, wow, what's that like with a big crew? And, you know, did you have to close this street because it's like a big boulevard? And I started to describe to them, no, it was just me and David. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, for their, for their experience of watching movies get made, that it was like so mind-blowing to them. And to get to sort of rediscover how David did that and how brave and subversive and amazing it was to sort of want to take the crudest camera and want to make it on one's own budget and want to even advertise it through social media, all of those things were a decade before everybody else, which is always what David does. Yeah, yeah. And which bring, bringing us back to Twin Peaks, how amazing is it, what is it, 25 years later or whatever, that, you know, I remember this generation of people saying, oh, my God, this is the most insane thing that's ever been on television. <laughs> and we all remember that. And now my son, who turned 16 this week, so his tribe of friends, 15- and 16-year-olds, have watched Twin Peaks as their introduction to David Lynch, and they're all calling saying, oh, my God, this is the most insane thing we've ever seen. We've never seen anything like this. And I just think that speaks to how, not only how delicious, but also how important an artist David is, that he just breaks boundaries to set the bar and, you know, and open the doors to so many other artists in, in every medium imaginable, as we know, you know, not just film and television, but art, fashion design. I mean, everywhere I go, because I've done so much with David, everyone is inspired by his work. Yeah, yeah. You know, your story about shooting Inland Empire, just you and him on the streets of Paris, reminds me here in Twin Peaks, so many of my favorite moments are just you and David working together on screen in these intimate spaces, some of them really funny, some of them intense, the whole bit of like you and him in the stairwell smoking the cigarette and he's tempted, he wants to smoke it too, which is so great. All of these scenes... I love his face. I love his longing. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I mean, you know, how incredible, how incredible after working for him for, you know, since I was 17 years old to, you know, now be also acting with him was just, oh, my God. And then Kyle and David and I 
working together again, but also working together as actors. It was just a complete bliss. Did you get the sense that David might have even wanted to capture on sort of almost like a, a, a meta level, maybe even just for him and you creating these moments in time recorded on film of, of your relationship together on screen through these characters? Was there some nostalgia you think involved in this? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> there was for me. Hopefully there was for you guys. I oh, don't yeah. know if that's what David intended. You know, again, um, as you both must know well, and I have learned and been reprimanded for, I try <laughs> to never speak for him because, <laughs> you know, sure. I have so many people asking me what things mean. And I, either now I say nothing or I try and David tells me I've gotten it wrong. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I just know um, what things mean for me. But, I mean, that's the beauty of, I think that's what's so beautiful about David's work is, you know, he really does give us dreams of the unconscious. And I think Inland Empire so spoke to that. And, you know, one of my favorite directors of all time and, and someone I've worked with and, and is greatly admired called me after seeing the film and said, this is a masterpiece about Inland Empire, and, and I was so happy he thought so. And I said, oh, well, I'm so interested what it was for you. And he said, well, it's about death and then transcendence. Hmm. And I, I just, I couldn't believe, and they're very different filmmakers, but I couldn't believe that he said it so clearly. It was so clearly that for him. And it doesn't matter what it is for David. I mean, that's what's so beautiful. And I mean, I think it does capture a lot of what David was exploring in that film. But I think what's so beautiful is Twin Peaks gets to be all your own, as does Blue Velvet or Wild at Heart or, you know, any of, any of the pieces of work certainly I've ever worked with um, with him on. And, and, we've, and we've felt that consistently since Eraserhead. You know, our minds are blown. Mm-hmm. We... we have our own journey with it, and um, it holds to no other model. And, and when I say he inspires other artists, what's gorgeous about that is, you know, it can be the most shocking versions of that. You know, it can be Pedro Almodovar explaining how David inspires him or Ralph Simmons, a fashion designer. Like that, and I love that his work is so boundaryless that it, inspires other art and, and crosses every line and, you know, can be any art form you want. And that's like, oh, I just feel so lucky to literally have grown up on and off film with him. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know, Laura, do you think about these things that are experienced very personally for the viewers? It's been so interesting seeing just the reactions to a lot of the moments in the final hours of Twin Peaks. I'd love to know, just for you, there's just these great silent moments between Diane and Agent Cooper as they're driving in that final episode and that moment of her being alone in the car, seeming to kind of see herself outside of the car. And I'd love to know just just for you, you know, what were some of the kind of emotions that you were sort of playing in those scenes? What was your own kind of personal interpretation of what was going on there with her seeing herself? I'd love to know just from being there on the inside, how did you take that sequence? Oh, my God. It, 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 you know, as you said, so meta. Like, I mean, I do think there are so many things about it. And again, I'm not speaking for David or or even Diane necessarily, but just 
for me to try to understand it, the, the part of it that I found beautiful and heartbreaking and relatable because I think what's gorgeous about getting to be an actor for David is no matter how abstract or even absurd the world is that you are in, you, you know, you want to make it honest and um, hopefully relatable, the, the emotions that are going on in it. And I, I love the idea, or it felt to me, that what had evolved in her was the awareness that there were other sides of this man and, and not knowing what would be on the other side of, you know, following him in every way. I mean, in letting herself love him and following him on this journey and all of it, and that she didn't know which side of him she'd get, which I think is very true of any love story. And I thought there was something meta and very beautiful that he would leave me alone in the car, not knowing who I was going to get in this man, hmm. but yet then seeing a whole other side of myself looking back. And and uh, to me, as a love story, there's something really profound about, like, well, hmm. we are all many sides. And there's something extraordinary about all the things David's talking about, and some of them elusive and I'll never understand, and many more things than I can know, and some of it really tangible. Um, but I, I felt really moved by all of that, and I also feel really um, inspired by the time that David takes, and I love how uncomfortable it makes so many people. Um, <laughs> that. So many artists are found brave because of how much they fill a screen and how much they fill a movie um, and our senses with, you know, violence or effects or, you know, extraordinary imagery or, you know, we're watching Koyani Scotsy and we're going, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. It's so insane and it's all high speed. And I just remember as a kid... Long before I met David, I was really obsessed with the Andy Griffith show, and I remember being amazed that every episode would end with these two men on a porch, usually with a guitar, and Andy would say to Barney, you know, with a long pause, you know, on a half-hour television show, yep, and then about two minutes would pass. <laughs> And they'd look out at the sky and maybe have a drink and play a little more guitar. And then Barney would go, yup. And that was the end of these episodes. And, and it felt like real life to me. And it felt almost insane, like almost shocking, because it was so not like anything else I was watching as a child. And I remember at that time thinking, God, it's so weird that people don't push our boundaries by making us wait or by dealing with repetition of imagery and stuff like that. And we've seen a lot of it in foreign films, but certainly in American filmmaking, it's like, how can I entertain them as much as possible in these 80 minutes, you know? And, um, yeah. and I think there's something radically brave and inventive that, that David plays around with, and it, you know, it takes our own willingness to go with it, but what happens is, it, it, is you start to kind of, like with a great painting, you start to have all these different feelings about it. So that's what, that's what it was for me with that, the length of the drive and 
wondering all the things she must be thinking or wondering if they're aware of where they're going, if it's understood to them now. I mean, I have no idea, but I loved wondering, you know? (laughs) Did you have an interpretation of the note that Diane ultimately leaves for Cooper the next morning in which she acknowledges him as Richard and she signs off as Linda? I don't know. I was curious to know if you had an interpretation, uh, your own interpretation of what that name swap meant. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it goes back to the many sides. I I really don't have an answer, and I think it's possible, you know, maybe we'd only get one if he wants to continue the journey. Yeah. In, 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 In who knows what form, you know, like, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. If I knew, I'd be reluctant to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why just didn't you know I wrote a, you know, I have this movie I'm making next week that answers that very note. Because um, I never know. Yes, I, I want the whole sequel that's all about Richard and Linda. That, I, I, I would be good with that if you guys made that film. Yeah. I know, my God. I just love to know here at the end, if there was an opportunity to continue exploring Diane and and continue on in the world of Twin Peaks, would you like that? Or do you think this kind of represents a great final statement for the show? Both things. You know, I, I think that anytime David wants to put his energy toward storytelling, it's going to take us somewhere we could never expect. Um, I would never, I'll never say no to David, and I'll never say no to Diane, because now I've fallen in love with her. Um, so it would be impossible for me not to want to be part of any journey he wants to take. But, um, but I think that's what's so beautiful about his work, is that every time it ends, even if there is an ending, you're just devastated at the thought of saying goodbye. I mean, I think Nicolas Cage and I spent a year probably still being Sailor and Lula, kind of, because (laughs) we didn't want to say goodbye and always kind of writing the sequel for David every time we'd have dinner, like, okay, and then they're going to, and David would just look at us like, let the sequel go. But, um, But, you know, how gorgeous to work with someone where, you know, he gives you characters that you're so in love with, you... You never, ever want to say goodbye to them. But also, his mind would reinvent a new version of story, telling every story he's told. So whether he wants to dive back into this world or, or go somewhere completely different, it'll be something like we've never seen. And if I'm lucky enough to be an actor on it, it he'll take me somewhere I've never gone before and push me further than I have. And... You know, and the craziest part of it is it's beautiful, it's brave, it's radical, um, it's the most inventive storytelling I've seen, and he's taught me more about comedy than anyone. I mean, I, I, I've learned everything from him about, you know, the Lucille Ball side of, of life that, you know, timing and, and patience and... Um, and finding humor in not only the most broken, but sometimes the most absurd or terrifying places. Like, he's just, he's such a, you know, an amazing maestro and gift to us. So I'm, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled to talk to you guys about him. It brings me so much joy, so thank you for letting me. Oh. And also to continue the ride wherever it goes next. But you guys better be doing the podcast. <laughs> 
Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever he does next, the three of us have to be talking about it, please. <laughs> uh, and on the comedy note, Laura, thank you for finding so many permutations of the phrase fuck you on this season of Twin Peaks. That was truly a delightful running part of uh, this summer. <laughs> I have never had so much fun or, or loved a word more during those, <laughs> during those <laughs> shooting days. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, congratulations on a on a great year and this show, and we uh, really appreciate you coming on our podcast. Thank you, thanks you guys for this amazing show yourself of of the Twin Peaks journey. It's been incredible to listen to. Oh, cool! All right, well, take care. Okay, take care, guys. Thanks once again to Laura Dern for joining us for this special episode of a Twin Peaks podcast, a podcast about Twin Peaks. Listeners out there, if you want to keep the conversation going, you can tweet at us. He's at EW Doc Jensen. I'm at Darren Franich, not a doctor. Write us an email. We've got one more big episode coming up. We're just going to just sit with Twin Peaks for a while, chat about it. Talk about your thoughts. Talk about our thoughts. Think about our thoughts. Love to hear some of your notions about the finale and the season and the show and your life and dreams. You can email us at twinpeaksatew.com. And hey, do you like listening to this podcast? We hope so. It's been a lot of fun doing it. Let us know what you think. Give us a rate and review. Go to Apple Podcasts. Let us know. Stars, rate us, that whole thing. You get it. One more coming. Thank you for listening. Come back for the last episode of a Twin Peaks podcast, a podcast about Twin Peaks. <laughs>